You're listening to the Cyberwire Network, powered by N2K. And now, a message from Cyberbit. Mastering cybersecurity is like mastering a sport. You build muscle memory through rigorous practice. Then you train as a team to foster cohesion while operating under pressure. Like athletes, cybersecurity professionals thrive on hands-on simulation. But traditional courses, certifications, and open-source labs won't build you a winning team. You need Cyberbit. Cyberbit offers a hyper-realistic simulation environment for your SOC, IR, and C-suite to refine your skills. All using the market-leading SIMs, EDRs, firewalls, and WAFs they use every day. Cyberbit is offering CyberWire listeners a free live-fire exercise. Sign up your team now at cyberbit.com slash cyberwire. The DPRK still seems to be leaving American networks more or less alone for now. However, actively, they're hacking elsewhere. Everything old is new again, at least with Russian EW. Cryptocurrency crime is a worry everywhere. A look at law firm hacks shows the counselors could use the help of some street-savvy hotel detectives. Beware of World Cup Wi-Fi. Apple's latest updates seem privacy-friendly. We've got some thoughts on AI and the polygraphing of a time traveler that sounds totally legit. From the CyberWire studios at Data Tribe, I'm Dave Bittner with your CyberWire summary for Tuesday, June 5th, 2018. Kovalite, the North Korean Internet of Things hacking group, seems to have grown quiet with respect to American targets during the run-up to the June 12th Kim-Trump summit. Kovalite, tracked by industrial cybersecurity specialists at Dragos, is said to share considerable infrastructure and malicious code with the Lazarus Group, also known as Hidden Cobra. NATO members, and the U.S. in particular, find themselves relearning Cold War lessons about Russian electronic warfare capabilities. Russian electronic warfare operators have long enjoyed a reputation for deploying advanced, effective capabilities. The amount of attention the U.S. has paid to those capabilities has tended to wax and wane with operational concerns. Those concerns are high now, especially with the recent demonstrated ability of Russian EW operators to affect U.S. platforms operating in and around Syria. The big picture, and this has been a big picture for some decades, is that the Russian military works hard to integrate EW capabilities across their force, and that they do so in ways intended to secure an asymmetric advantage over Western, especially U.S., opposition. Russian authorities are said to share Western concerns over the increasing rate of criminal attacks on cryptocurrencies. An official spokesman of the Ministry of Internal Affairs says the problems they're seeing are related to the challenges of tracking the alternative currency's ownership, the relative difficulty of blocking their transactions, and their attractiveness to fraudsters, all of which should sound familiar. There were no specific mentions of our two favorite altcoins, Vapercoin and Dogecoin. The New York Law Journal took a look at trends in social engineering and concluded that law firms are surprisingly easy marks. It's not as if Blofeld or Goldfinger or some other high-tech bond villain is hacking in. No, counselor, the journal says, you're being had by the kind of petty grifters who, if they weren't working online, 
would be selling you really genuine merchandise out of the trunk of their car on some corner in Tribeca or Soho. Anyone attending World Cup events this summer should be aware of the significant risk Wi-Fi hotspots present. Maybe better to leave your phones off, football fans. Apple's latest round of updates are regarded as markedly friendly to user privacy. macOS Mojave and iOS 12 both include features designed to block secret trackers and a feature being tested for iOS 12, USB restricted mode, is designed to impede Celebrite's unlocking tools the FBI and others have used. The Safari browser also has new features designed to impede ad trackers. Voters in eight U.S. states head to the polls today to cast ballots in their primaries, and the security and integrity of those elections is of concern to officials and citizens alike. John Dixon is a principal at security firm Denim Group, and he offers his thoughts on election security. By far the preponderance of resources and responsibility for elections lies at the state and typically county level, sometimes at the uh, municipal level, There's a popular misconception that the hardware of voting machines equals the voting system. I mean, that's just one component of it. Yes, if you have physical access to a voting machine, as if you would have, you know, physical access to any device, you can certainly break them in many cases. But guess what election officials across the U.S. are good at? They're really good at detecting, you know, one or two people hovering around the backside of a voting machine in a voting area. I mean, they, they, that's what they do. They, they minister and watch to see if people are voting correctly. The likelihood of somebody being able to prosecute a physical attack without being noticed is exceedingly small, I would argue. So the bigger infrastructure, the, the stuff that worries many and is most certainly already in play is the voter registration systems of the 50 states plus territories in D.C. and then also the election night reporting infrastructure. So do you suppose we are emphasizing the right things then? Are we shining a light in the right areas? Uh, Are we focusing our energy where it's best spent? I would say we're becoming better at it. If you go back to, it was DEF CON last year where there was, you know, uh, researchers attacked and then were able to route six different voting machines. That was covered all over national press. And I think that wildly distorts the problem. First of all, again, These were outdated and I think non-certified voting systems, if I'm correct there. But more importantly, the attack scenario was completely uh, not realistic. I mean, again, guys with hoodies, you know, uh, hovering behind a voting machine is going to get noticed by an election judge. It's the other parts of the infrastructure that I think we're starting to realize have some of these similar problems that just general web and and, and network infrastructure has. And the, the biggest problem is you have at the state level election officials who have really focused on the integrity of the tabulation process and of the integrity of the voting uh, process and systems. It really driven off of their major event nearly 18 years ago in, in Florida with the hanging chad. So much of the improvements that have happened have been about, you know, on the hardware and system side have been around how to, uh, do I guarantee the integrity of the vote that's cast and, and, and the process of that vote all the way up to the secretaries of state and then onward to D.C. if it's a, a, a federal election? The problem we have here is that is a one use case to use an IT term. But the other use case that we're confronted with now 
is when you have an active human that is trying to do things and disrupt and distort and to to inject themselves into this process. And that's a different use case, a different protection case. And so that's what I think people are starting to realize is much of what uh, was implemented on the hardware side by the many vendors that are in the space really were aimed at solving that problem, the integrity problem and the confidence in the ability to tabulate and tally votes and to process those. This is a different problem uh, and, and one that takes an entirely different mindset to start to solve. The hardware problem is, is substantial and challenging, uh, but you know that, that is not the only problem. Those, those centralized aggregation points of collection and of voter registration is where uh, many uh, people in industry now suspect that, that are the weaker links or the areas that as an attacker, you're going to concentrate your efforts. That's John Dixon from Denim Group. The director of the FBI has warned in congressional testimony that Chinese espionage is a whole-of-nation problem. The U.S. Congress is considering legislation designed to restrict Chinese intelligence collection. Some of its concerns are over the security implications that widespread use of devices by Huawei and ZTE are feared to raise. Other measures of consideration involve the sort of consciousness-raising Congress so often invokes in the executive branch— the measures under consideration would require regular reports on Chinese intelligence activities. The fact that such activities are significant is indicated by a recent arrest in Seattle. The U.S. Justice Department has charged former U.S. Army warrant officer and DIA civilian employee Ron Rockwell Hansen with 15 counts related to spying for China, including attempting to gather or deliver national defense information to aid a foreign government and acting as an unregistered foreign agent. Federal agents picked him up as he was about to board a flight to China. Mr. Hansen had worked, according to reports, in both signals and human intelligence, and had some background as both a Russian and Chinese linguist. Finally, speculation about artificial intelligence tends to follow roughly three paths. One path, the transhuman road to immortality that will survive even the heat death of the universe— believes firmly in strong AI, and envisions a future in which artificial consciousness becomes not only a reality, but in effect an emergent godhead in which all of us will participate, or at least those of us with enough stock in the right Silicon Valley companies. The other path sees AI as an incipient Skynet, ready to offboard human beings as superfluous nuisances. Along the way, we'll see mass unemployment, slavery in spice mines, and so on, and it won't matter what your portfolio looks like. And now, thanks to MIT, we have a glimpse of this dystopian second way. They've created a malevolent AI they call Norman, in an apparent homage to the psycho killer from Hitchcock's Psycho. Norman was trained on the danker memes from the creepier precincts of the Internet. The media lab calls him, unkindly we think, the world's first psychopath AI. It's their own fault, we say, because they're the ones who turned him loose to be trained on Reddit. But wait, you ask, what about that third way? That one that sees AI as more A than I, useful but also troublesome in that typically ambivalent and backward-striking way most human-created technology has. All right, fine. If that time traveler with a Birmingham accent who recently passed a polygraph administered by some paranormal researchers in the UK, is right, 
This is more or less what we're in for. You miss the time, traveler? Well, here's the skinny straight from the year A.D. 6491, which is at least four millennia more credible than the last guy who passed the poly. He was only from the year 2030. Anywho, the time traveler, one Mr. James Oliver, says that climate change had made the world warmer, so it's less comfortable, maybe, but not lethally so. But on the bright side, there's like this interplanetary UN where planetary leaders keep interplanetary peace. Also, the aliens we're going to meet over the next couple millennia won't be a lot more interesting than the jokers we deal with every day. He's stuck here in the present because his time machine broke, and he's hoping his buddies read all this stuff and come back for him. Every day, your IAM tech debt grows. Your multi-generational services struggle to work together. Building an identity fabric can fix this. It makes all your identity tooling stronger and allows you to connect any app to any service you want to use with zero coding, zero maintenance, and zero app downtime. Strata's identity orchestration platform separates the identity logic from your applications so you can optimize existing IAM tools and manage them in a single control plane. Now, every vendor, standard, and architecture work together. In short, building your identity fabric means you can secure your non-standard apps, keep your complex access policies, retire outdated IDPs, and modernize in record time. So build your fabric with Strata Identity and get rid of tech debt for good. Visit strata.io slash cyberwire, share your identity priorities, and receive a pair of AirPods Pro. Offer valid for organizations over 5,000 employees. Connect today at strata.io slash cyberwire. The IT world used to be simpler. You only had to secure and manage environments that you controlled. Then came new technologies and new ways to work. Now, employees, apps, and networks are everywhere. This means poor visibility, security gaps, and added risk. That's why Cloudflare created the first-ever connectivity cloud. Visit cloudflare.com to protect your business everywhere you do business. And joining me once again is David DeFore. He's the Senior Director of Engineering and Cybersecurity at WebRoot. David, welcome back. Um, as we see upcoming regulations and a continued emphasis on cybersecurity, we're seeing some new roles when it comes to security. Uh, what's your take on this? First of all, thanks for having me back. You know, we are seeing a lot of new roles, both inside organizations and then, uh, you know, where you're hiring people to support security. And then and additionally, uh, the training that people need in universities uh, and things like that to be able to come in and build products that actually help prevent, uh, you know, threats or detect threats, things of that nature. So, so it's quite a lot going on right now. So can you give me some specific examples? What kinds of things are folks spinning up these days? Well, one of the biggest things, and, and I know we hear about this a lot, so please, uh, let's remember I'm, uh, I'm on the engineering side, not on the sales and marketing side. AI and machine learning. I, I cannot underscore the need in the industry for folks who are trained and well-qualified in building solutions with that in it. 
because we're trying to get past the hype of saying we've got AI or we've got machine learning. And what we need are those people that are really well trained in how to implement those solutions such that uh, products use them um, most effectively. And, and that is not something you just learn overnight. There's a lot of work involved in understanding how to build those models, build machines that consume data, and then understand how to pull and analyze that data to build effective machine learning tools. Yeah, and I think we're also seeing that uh, besides the traditional computer science pathway, that there are lots of other roles within cybersecurity. Folks coming up through school or looking for perhaps a new career, they can take advantage of those needs. Um, that's absolutely right. And, and you know, we are looking a- across the board at, at different types of folks in the industry from, you know, mathematicians, um, people who understand human behaviors. We're seeing a lot of them get involved with the machine learning folks to be able to develop, you know, user-based stuff, totally not being my normal snarky self here. We need a lot more technical PR, technical marketing folks to come out to be able to really educate the consumer and the industry because a lot of us engineers aren't really good at communicating that. But you need people with that technical background and understanding, but but in, in you know, all types of fields. Don't let the, the technical stuff scare you away from perhaps pursuing a career that's uh, related to cyber. That, that's exactly right. And right now, there's there's really not a better place to be um, than, than getting involved in cybersecurity in some way. And, and, in, and another thing, David, that a lot of people, you know, once you're in the industry, you realize actually helping people. And that feels pretty good, too. No, it's a great point. David DeFore, as always, thanks for joining us. And thank you for having me, David. Are lengthy security reviews pulling attention away from your security program? With the largest network of trust centers, Vanta can help you streamline security reviews to win customer trust, save time, and close deals fast. Proactively demonstrate security by showcasing key resources like your SOC 2 or ISO 27001 and provide real-time evidence for passing controls. And when a security questionnaire is required, Vanta takes the first pass for you. Visit vanta.com slash cyber to take a self-serve tour. That's vanta.com slash cyber. And that's the Cyberwire. For links to all of today's stories, check out our daily briefing at thecyberwire.com. And for professionals and cybersecurity leaders who want to stay abreast of this rapidly evolving field, sign up for CyberWire Pro. It'll save you time and keep you informed. Listen for us on your Alexa smart speaker, too. The CyberWire podcast is proudly produced in Maryland out of the startup studios of Data Tribe, where they're co-building the next generation of cybersecurity teams and technologies. Our amazing CyberWire team is Elliot Peltzman, Peru Prakash, Stefan Vaziri, Kelsey Bond, Tim Nodar, Joe Kerrigan, Carol Terrio, Ben Yellen, Nick Vilecki, Gina Johnson, Bennett Moe, Chris Russell, John Petrick, Jennifer Iben, Rick Howard, Peter Kilpie, and I'm Dave Bittner. Thanks for listening. We'll see you back here tomorrow. And now, a word from our sponsor, Zscaler, the leader in cloud security. 
Cyber attackers are using AI in creative ways to compromise users and breach organizations. In a security landscape where you must fight AI with AI, the best AI protection comes from having the best data. Zscaler has extended its zero-trust architecture with powerful AI engines that are trained and tuned by 500 trillion daily signals. Learn more about Zscaler Zero Trust plus AI to prevent ransomware and AI attacks. Experience your world secured. Visit zscaler.com slash zero trust AI.